Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And that's the nicest thing that anyone's ever done for me. It sounds a bit bizarre, but things the way they are, I feel as if another life's begun for me. And if I hey everyone, and welcome back to Every Version Ever. This episode is the first installment of a two-part look at the musical version of the story by Leslie Bracuse, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly. I don't know. We've recorded two episodes, and I still feel like I haven't figured it out yet. This episode features the musical from 1970, Scrooge, starring Albert Finney, and in the next episode, we're going to be discussing the remake that just hit Netflix at the beginning of the month. This movie is probably one of the better-known versions since I started doing this series in 2017. The Albert Finney version has always come up in the essential versions list that I'd find when looking for various versions to cover, but I'd never watched it for myself until now. Joining me for this episode is my friend Mark Brown. He's a big fan of the story of A Christmas Carol, so I usually try to have him on the show to cover at least one of these a year. And he had mentioned this one in the past, and then he reminded me of the remake that was coming out this year, so I figured we'd better talk about both. So had you seen this before? Uh, yes, I did, actually. I think that's probably why I suggested um, watching this. I saw it, I think I mentioned on the on the podcast a couple times already. There was one year where I just decided to watch a bunch of Christmas Carol uh, oh, adaptations, yeah. and this was one of them. <laughs> had you seen it before? No, I hadn't. I'd heard of it. Like It's one of the ones that usually gets mentioned when people are talking about the big adaptations, but this was one I had not seen yet. I remember liking it ever, ever since I saw it for the first time, but that's actually the only time I saw it before rewatching it for today. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, this is the first time I've seen it. Now I've seen it twice because I watched it twice in preparation for this. I, I, I really want to start <laughs> watching things twice instead of watching things once at the last minute like I have been doing for some of these. No, I think that's a good thing, but like, I don't know. I can never get myself to find time to, to watch something twice. I know. Or it's like for my like my live action Disney blog, some of some of those movies I just don't want to watch twice. <laughs> yeah, that is true. I am just glad to get it over with once. <laughs> yeah, it's there might be some coming up that I will <laughs> really only want to watch once. <laughs> So I read online that this was supposed to be a follow-up to the the musical Oliver, but I can't figure out like who was following it up because it's a different production company, different director, different musicians, different composer. <laughs> like the only commonality I could find was the cinematographer Oswald Morris. So I was like, where did they, where did they get this? Like, why is this the follow-up to Oliver? Bill Oswald. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. I didn't actually look into the history of uh, who would have been doing the following up. But yeah, if if it's just good old Oswald, maybe, maybe it was him. Maybe. Because <laughs> I, I know, I guess Oliver was just such a big hit that somebody said, hey, you know, another musical Dickens adaptation will work. Who that someone was and what the heck their connection was with this <laughs> film, God knows. <laughs> maybe it was Oswald. Good old Oswald. <laughs> Oswald, if you listen, if you're, well, I don't know if you're alive, but if you're alive and listening to this, let us know. Or if you're his descendants, let us know. 
and I was very confused when I first saw the poster because the poster said, what the Dickens have they done to Scrooge? So I was expecting something that was like extremely outrageous, but then it was just like a basic straight adaptation with music. But I read later that they designed that to head off any criticism of Scrooge dancing and singing. Yeah, I think that's what I read too. Because I think this was the first live action musical adaptation of Scrooge, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, a Christmas Carol, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. But the tagline, what the Dickens have they yeah. done to Scrooge, <laughs> makes it sound like this is going to be utterly outrageous. Yeah, I think they, they thought it through. I think they just thought, hey, Dickens, there we go. That works. <laughs> but even though the, this was maybe maybe not a follow-up to oliver i did find a few other connections to various oliver twists because different people in this either directed like the director ronald neem directed the 1948 oliver twist or there were several uh, people throughout the cast i'll try and remember as i go through the movie who was who that were in different versions the 1948 one came up a few times but there was also one from 2005 i believe okay yeah but I thought that was interesting that there was so many Oliver Twist connections with this. Yeah, I, I did. I recognize that. I think um, Oliver is probably the only Oliver Twist adaptation I've seen. Well, oh, really? Unless, uh, yeah, unless you count Oliver and Company. <laughs> I count Oliver and Company. Okay, okay those are the two then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've, I've seen a bunch. I like Oliver Twist. It's one that I would really like to cover on every version ever eventually. Because, yeah. like... I was a weird kid. I grew up loving <laughs> Oliver Twist. Like, what kid loves Oliver Twist? But I loved anything that had to do with orphans. I think I wanted to be an orphan. <laughs> Mommy, Daddy, why could I be an orphan? <laughs> you don't understand when you're older, so. <laughs> but Oliver Twist was one of, like, the quintessential orphan stories. So even oh, though yeah, I definitely. hardly read any Dickens, I loved Oliver Twist. I think it started with Wishbone because there was a Wishbone uh, episode okay. of Oliver Twist. <laughs> I think we talked about this in a previous a previous episode as well, but like I grew up with the um those great illustrated classics books. Yes, you know, like, I had uh, that too. Yeah, I so probably I think... still I don't know if I have maybe I don't have that one anymore, but it's one that I read a lot. But... Yes. So that's, that's, that was my introduction to it. So the interesting thing about this one and why we're doing it now is apparently they're remaking it this year as an animated film. Exactly. And that it's, it's, I've, I've seen one article, I think was from Variety in July that mentioned this and it's coming to Netflix, but like, I haven't seen anything else about it since like no, no new trailers, no I, I looked it up and Netflix has a placeholder page for it. Okay. So if, and I clicked on remind me, so it said it'll put it in my to watch list when it comes out. There so hopefully it's still coming out. <laughs> There've been a few movies like that this year that they say they're coming out and then they kind of just stop talking about them. And I don't know if they're actually coming or not. Exactly. I think this might be the first or the second Christmas Carol adaptation that would be like a direct remake of another Christmas Carol adaptation. What's the other one? Uh, and I'm not sure if it was, but it was the animated 1971 short with uh, Alistair Sim. Was that the remake of his version of Alistair Sim? Of Scrooge, I mean? I don't think so. Okay, I can't remember for sure. Because the, the animated one 
was very short. Yeah. Like it was like a half an hour. And it included some stuff like that you never see in any other version. <laughs> like the 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 ghosts in out in the sky. Like that's in this version. Yeah. But you hardly ever see that in any version. And I don't think it was in his original. I it's been a long time since I watched the original. Yeah. But I think that was a new version. It okay, just so. happened to have the same actor. Okay, so then this would be the first remake, to my knowledge, of Christmas Probably. Carol, of a, a Christmas Carol adaptation. I'm thinking so. Which I'm very excited for, because, like, you know, once we start talking about this movie, um, we'll, we'll say more. But, like, I, I want to hear those songs again. I want to I want to see what these new voice actors bring to an animated version of this. So, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if it does actually come out, we'll be talking about that we're recording this one in the at the beginning of november so we'll see by december if it's come out and then we'll do another episode if it does but yeah the score was composed by leslie bricussi and i never know how to pronounce his last name i don't know and arranged and conducted by ian frazier so that is what is coming to the new version exactly the I, and I'm not 100% sure if they're like taking the actual story beat by beat and remaking it or if it's just they're taking the songs because it wasn't clear the thing that I read. And the the pictures that I saw did not give me the feel of this movie at all. But that doesn't mean that it's not fully remaking this from this script. Yeah, definitely. I, I doubt it's going to be a shot by shot remake, but like... I hope I not. Yeah, I think I think like you said, it might be mostly the songs. And Le- Leslie Bricus, Br- Br- or forgive me for mispronouncing his name, he also I think wrote the screenplay for this movie as well. So it might it might take a lot of the writing from this movie as well. Mm. I just want to take a moment to talk about. Oh, we'll just mention that I'm a big fan of um, his work. Like I like a lot of his musicals and lyrics that he's written over the years. Like he's done the Doctor Doolittle musical. Um, oh okay he's, he's done um he's not so much that's escaping me at the moment but like he, he's done a lot of good lyrics for like musicals and musical works and stuff like that he passed away last year sadly but he was 90 years oh oh he did the the, the lyrics for like willy wonka and the chocolate factory i think if i'm not mistaken and a couple other stuff but yeah i like his work a lot i'm going to look about because the lyrical quality of his songs reminded me of something okay. like if it just felt very familiar yeah Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory apparently Tom and Jerry the movie as well Goodbye Mr. Chips Victor Victoria Peter Pan one of the Peter Pans he, oh another one I like that he did the Sherlock Holmes the musical which never really caught on but like I love all, all, all the songs that he did in that version I don't think I even knew that there was a Sherlock Holmes the musical. Yeah, he's kind of very like low key and not not very. It it wasn't a hit, but I like that. I do like the you can hear the soundtrack on like YouTube and stuff. I guess I will find out if I ever decide to do every version ever of Sherlock <laughs> Holmes. Oh gosh, you you'll never. And... Oh, I know that one would have enough to do multiple miniseries for years to come. I think that, that'll I'm... be like another Alice in Wonderland situation where it just never ends. I think, if I'm not mistaken, there was the like a trivia question, like which fictional character has the most entries on 
on IMDb, and I think Sherlock Holmes was the one like most that that has the most actors that portrayed him. Hmm, that would make sense. I feel like I don't remember the name Leslie Bercasi. It's, it's not but, it's not a very popular name, but I feel more people know his songs than his name. Yeah, I feel like I talked about him without remembering his name in another episode maybe not recently but sometime this year because we talked about the person who did the music for Willy Wonka so it would have had to have been him yeah he he did the lyrics for it i'm trying to remember what episode i was talking about i've mostly done alice in wonderland this year so it has to be alice in wonderland maybe it's the one that has gene wilder in no cuz i haven't done that one yet that's my okay. favorite version <laughs> That one. Oh dear, he did a song for Superman 3. <laughs> Not everything was so. Oh know. no! He did. I, I'm going to talk about this later on. There was a scene that reminded me of the Can You Read My Mind segment from Superman, and he did those lyrics as well. <laughs> well, I'm glad I opened. I, I introduced <laughs> you to that. It's kind of hard to go through the, his list of work because he's listed as a writer on so many things because they're using a lot of stuff that he's done in the past, especially mm -hmm. Willy Wonka. Yeah. There's a Jekyll and Hyde musical. Yeah. There's that. <laughs> Is that where the song from the Arthur episode came from? Jekyll, Jekyll, Hyde, Jekyll, Hyde, Hyde, Jekyll. <laughs> no, sadly. I was thinking it would have been like the 1986 Alice, but I don't see that listed in here. Because I know I talked about the Willy Wonka soundtrack at some point, but I can't remember what episode it was in that I was talking about it. Unless he was one of multiple people that wrote the music for Willy Wonka. That could have been it, too. It could have been somebody else. Not sure. I thought it was just him who did the lyrics. I could be wrong. No, it's just him and Anthony Newley who did the music. Well, let's see what Anthony Newley did. There it is. It was Anthony Newley. He played the Mad Hatter in Alice in Wonderland in 1985, and he did music for that as well, I believe. There we go. That's, uh, That's the, the connection. <laughs> oh, that was a fun little uh, scavenger. <laughs> it wasn't Leslie Bercuse all along. <laughs> Poor guy. Well, either way, he had a massive IMDb page. Like you said, I think it's mostly like pure imagination from Willy Wonka that gets reused all the time. <laughs> yes, but he did a lot before that, too. It went on even before Willy Wonka. Okay. Well, I suppose we should get back to the movie that we're supposed to be talking oh, yeah, yeah, about. Yeah, this is a very long rabbit trail, and we haven't even started the movie yet. <laughs> all because of Leslie Precoose. Well, it was kind of related. Yes, it was related. <laughs> It was Leslie Bercuse, but had nothing to do with him. It was Anthony Newley the whole time. Yes. <laughs> but anyway, Leslie Bercuse did the music for the songs for this movie, as well as the script, if I'm not mistaken. And overall, I like this a lot as a musical. And I, I have a hard time deciding if this or the Alan Menken version is my favorite musical adaptation of Christmas Carol. I'd have to watch that one again to decide... I feel like this might be a better film all around. 
but I think it's, that's partly because it kind of hits some nostalgic beats, even though this is not something I watched as a kid. Yeah. It had the feeling of a lot of movies that I watched as a kid. Like yeah, just, just the way they... Dr. Little, Willy Wonka. Yeah, the, it has that, the, that kind of charm and yeah. care. So this opens with a song over an illustrated credits. And I really liked the song and illustrations, but apparently it was cut for the Blu-ray release. I don't know why they cut this specifically, but I have found a lot of people online talking about there was, there's been like some legal issues with the music, copyright issues. I don't know. With just that, that song and none of the, the others. No, because there's people were talking like it has never been released on CD because of legal issues. And somebody else was talking like they had it on vinyl from years back. I don't know. I didn't look too deeply into it. Just people talking about legalities surrounding the music. But I liked the opening song, so it seems a shame that it got cut. Yeah, I think the opening song gives a good taste of the music quality of what's going to come. Yeah, actually, I thought it was one of the best songs. It felt like, well, it felt like a, a Christmas carol, like an actual Christmas carol, even though that's what they were singing about. It felt like something that you would hear a choir singing. Yeah. And I, I like the uh, the credits, I like the opening illustrated credits, which pretty much tells the whole story. But I mean, <laughs> I, I don't think anyone who's watching Christmas Carol, and this is your first time, um, knows the story is going to be care about spoilers. So. Probably not. And really, there's additions to this one that you wouldn't know were coming. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> And I didn't love every song in this. They were all fine. Like, I didn't hate any of them. Some just felt a little generic, I guess. But there are some great ones in here. It was kind of a mixed bag. That's how I felt the first time I saw this. But, like, after watching it again last night, I even the ones I felt were generic back then, I think, like, now... They grew um, on you? They grew on me, I guess. Like, I thought, you know, they're... They're, they're they're pretty good quality. From I can I... see that happening because the even the ones that I thought were a little generic did have some great rhyming wordplay yeah. in them. Mm-hmm. I think that goes back to just my my love for Leslie Brookhouse, even though I love the guy. I don't know how to pronounce his name, so I feel <laughs> bad about that. Leslie B. I'll call him that. And then Albert Finney plays um, Scrooge in this version. Do you know how old he is in this? Yeah, he's 33, apparently. (laughs) I could not believe that. That's younger than I am currently. And he looks ancient. So whoever did his makeup needs a raise. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) He's 33. And the guy who plays his nephew, I think, was like 46. And he also doesn't look 46. So, like, I don't know. The makeup people in this movie were just, like, spot on. (laughs) Yeah, they were amazing i couldn't believe it he really looked like he was old mm-hmm. like i feel like even on his hands he like had age spots yeah yeah they they, they really did a good job making him look old like you, you would probably know this but like uh, in most adaptations of christmas carol are they mostly played by younger actors than what scrooge is supposed to be or are most of them old men i think they're usually older and i okay. feel like they usually get another actor for when he goes back in time but yeah but they but this did, i don't able, think they did yeah. in this one because it looked like him no it was yeah he, he did it up he was like the yeah. right age to be his exactly. young self exactly yeah that's how he he looked <laughs> and actually speaking of his nephew 
they changed his name for this one. He's Harry for some reason. Now that he mentioned it, I knew something was off. It's not Fred, right? Yeah. I was like, why are they calling him Harry? That's such a weird deviation to make. Maybe Harry was in the 70s. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Fred was too old school. <laughs> not like Ebenezer. <laughs> Was there anyone in the main cast that you recognized from elsewhere? Because for most of these, I don't think I recognized anyone. Like, if I looked up their IMDb page once in a while, I'd pick out something here and there that I recognized. But for the most part, I didn't know who anyone was. Well, Alec Guinness, I, of course, knew him. Uh, he plays Marley, and, you know, he's... Well, and... yes. That actually shocked me, because I didn't recognize him at all until I went to IMDb, and I was like, What? <laughs> Surprise. Yes. So Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan <laughs> Kenobi is playing as a ghost. <laughs> but um Albert Finney, of course, I knew like I've been a fan of his since Murder in the Or on the Orient Express is one of my favorite movies of all time. Um Lawrence Naismith, who played Mr. Fezziwig, I knew him from like um there's a old Disney movie, Third Man on the Mountain. He was in that, so that's what I knew him from. Roy Kinnear he wasn't one of the main cast, but he played one of the um, the guys asking Scrooge for donations in the beginning of the movie. Like okay. he, he's my he's like my favorite character actor. Everything I see this guy in, I love. He 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 played Mr. Salt <laughs> in um, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Oh so when, yes, yeah. So whenever whenever I see him in a movie, my, like my my face just lights up and my, I get a big smile on my face. I just love that guy so much. So <laughs> even though he had a, a brief a brief a cameo in this film, like I was so happy. Um, <laughs> But yeah, the the others I like, like you said, I would probably only know them if I like go through the IMDb or Wikipedia pages. I'm like, oh, he was that guy for that thing. Mm, yeah, but the people that they got, most of them had like long IMDb pages, so they got yeah, good they were, actors. Yeah, like they they were they they didn't go for star quality; they went for quality. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Another thing that kind of surprised me, probably because I was thrown off by the poster, there was a lot of book accurate dialogue. Like, I was expecting them to go out of left field with everything, but there was a lot in here that it seemed like straight from the book. Oh, yeah, it was a very good adaptation. I think that the whole, uh, what the Dickens is this through you? <laughs> so yes. you, were, you were expecting, you know, like, a, like a parody or something? Yes, basically a parody, and it wasn't. No. One line that I was surprised wasn't in, in this film was when, when he's haunted by Marley, he doesn't say there's more gravy than grave um oh yeah i was waiting for that i was like oh i'm surprised that would have fit right in with some of the dialogue from this one exactly but i don't know like for some reason they didn't put that in i was like huh interesting they did have that scene in him talking about him being just a manifestation of its stomach issue exactly but they didn't use that line correct yeah they got the whole thing about the undigested piece of beef or whatever but they just didn't get the gravy part like huh Okay. I was going to ask you, do you think the beginning of this movie took a long time? Like, I felt it took a while until he actually went home. Yes. There was a lot of things in here that took a long time. And I understand that it's a musical, so they have to, you know, there's musical segments, they have to make space for them, but it, it just felt like a long time until he actually went home. Yeah, you had a lot of stuff with these kids that were... Well, first he tried to assault them, and then they were taunting him for every time they showed up. <laughs> but that took a while. And then there was a lot with in like the scene that should be there 
with him in his office with Bob Cratchit and nephew Harry <laughs> and the people asking for money. They added in some stuff with Tiny Tim and one of the other Cratchit children, like yeah. lo longingly looking at toys in a window. Exactly. And, and Harry, I think it's a song, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> yeah. The Christmas children. So the, the kids, I didn't recognize any of them, and they didn't have very long IMDb pages. Like, the, this was probably their biggest role yeah. for all the kids. And two, only two of them really had names, Tim and Kathy. There was a bunch of other kids, but I couldn't find them on IMDb. But there was a lot of people named Child or Children or whatever. But there were so many other kids throughout the movie that I don't know if they were a Cratchit kid or a street urchin. <laughs> I feel like even in the movie, they weren't even named. So, yeah. They no, were they weren't. Child number four. So. Yeah, basically. You also have, this is somebody I don't recognize her, Frances Kuka, I think, as Mrs. Cratchit. She was a British actress. And even though I didn't recognize her, I know I've seen, she was in the 2005 version of Oliver Twist, another Oliver Twist oh, okay. connection. But she was also in another Disney movie, Watcher in the Woods, which I think I've seen. But it's been so long that I don't remember even really what it was about. And it, but I don't I remember who she would have been. I've seen it, but I wouldn't remember who she was either. But the you you were talking about the people asking for money. That scene launches Scrooge into his big song that I was it surprised me so much that I laughed out loud because he starts singing I hate people. Yes. <laughs> It just it was like so abrupt when he just started saying, I hate people. <laughs> and I just started laughing. <laughs> uh, I love that song. It's probably my second favorite in this movie. I, I like, I love the, like the, the rhyming and the wordplay in this is very intricate. Um, I don't know. Albert Finney's not, I don't think he's a bad singer. I don't think he's like, you know, He's the greatest singer, but I don't think he was bad either. He was kind of just, he was acceptable, I guess. Well, a part of that might have been the fact that he was playing so much older than he was. Like sure. he was, you, after I found out that he was not an old man, I could kind of tell he was putting on a voice. I don't think I would have known to listen for that. And he would have sounded just like kind of an old man. There were some scenes where I didn't like what he was doing with his like he, the way he was holding his mouth and he was sounding a little too, I don't know, muffled, slurry, especially in the scene when he gets drunk. I hated, I hated him when he was drunk, but he wasn't like a perfect singer, but he was good in this song. Definitely. And um, side note on what you mentioned before, it's always weird when you're watching a movie and the actor is like younger than you are and you're like, wow, yeah. that, that guy looks so old. <laughs> Yeah, that, that is very weird. It doesn't bother me too much in this because he obviously has to have a ton of makeup on yeah. because there's no way someone who is 33 is that wrinkled. But the wrinkles look real. Like whoever did his makeup, give them a raise. Or an Oscar or something. Yeah, definitely. You also have throughout this scene, he's going around trying to collect people's debts. Yeah. And he's like threatening them with confiscation of their wares. There's like two old ladies and a guy who sells soup. They come back later. They're like the most important ones, but 
you can tell that there are a lot of people that owe him money. Like he 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 doesn't even let the puppeteer go. Like while the puppeteer is <laughs> doing the show, yeah, he says, "Hey, where's my money?" Uh, yeah, it's like going on stage when like a actor is presenting an award at Oscars and just saying, "Hey, <laughs> where's my money?" <laughs> and this leads to another song with the kids that he tried to beat with his coal shovel earlier. Father Christmas, or I forget how it goes, but something like that. Yeah, they're calling him Father Christmas, but in a mocking way. Then he finally gets home, and you have the scene with Marley in the door. And I liked that effect. It was very subtle. Like today, it would be like CGI, and it would be really, they would try and make it as amazing as possible. But I really liked how he just very slowly faded in, and then very slowly faded out. I think I even noticed it, so that's probably how subtle it was. Yes, it was. Very, I did not notice him fading in until he was there talking. I noticed the second time because I knew to watch for it, but it was so subtle that I didn't notice, and I liked that about it. One thing that was interesting um, when he gets inside the house, I think this is one of the few adaptations that actually shows like a a carriage, a ghost carriage yes. going through the house. I really liked that thing. That looked so weirdly eerie and cool. <laughs> One thing I will say is like Scrooge, his Scrooge seems like very accepting like of these ghosts when he sees them. Like, <laughs> like he doesn't like question him. He doesn't, he doesn't question himself as much as you would think. Like he just sees a ghost carriage and just goes on his, his day. <laughs> he doesn't question a lot of things except yeah. when he wakes up and then he thinks, oh, I was just dreaming. Like he always yeah. wakes up and thinks it was just a dream. Yeah. Like how many times do you have to wake up from this dream to realize that it wasn't a dream? <laughs> so so that, that was the only weird thing I, I thought about his character, but it works. Well, another weird thing about his character in this one partly it has to do with the absence of a character is this Scrooge is absolutely filthy. His house is an utter pigsty. There is no Mrs. Dilber in this version. Yeah, there is no housekeeper. He has no one to clean up after him. And his house is a mess. Spider webs everywhere, dust everywhere. The bowl he was eating out of looked questionably brown. (laughs) I think it's been washed in a while. Yeah, it was it was gross. I would not want to go visit him at this house. But then you get Sir Alec Guinness coming in as Jacob Marley. And like I said, I did not recognize him at all. My jaw dropped when I looked up IMDb and saw who played him. I remembered he was in this and he was also in the credits in the beginning, so... Uh, but when I saw him, I was like, wait, that just doesn't look like him. No, it doesn't. The, but uh, I guess I'm makeup, so used to seeing him. Yeah, I think it's that. And I'm also so used to seeing him in a beard. So. Yeah, I'm just so used to Obi-Wan Kenobi that this is such a departure from that look that it doesn't re- doesn't register as Alec Guinness. Alec Guinness, he, gets, he was supposed to have a song number. But they cut it, but they left like the beginning of the song number. So like, I starts... wondered about that because yeah. when they fly out it when you have the scene with all the ghosts, he starts singing a song, but it's like so short. Exactly. So I don't know if they cut it because maybe Alec Guinness wasn't the best singer, or they just didn't have time or I don't know. like run time. I don't know what the I mean it was, was a very long movie. It was almost two hours. So yeah. maybe they were trying to trim it down a bit. True, yeah. But 
Yeah, and like you said, this version of uh, they actually go flying in the sky with the other ghosts and whatnot. There's a few scenes in this movie where they're flying and maybe not this scene specifically, but like, especially later with the ghost of Christmas present, that's what reminded me of, can you read my mind from Superman? Just, I, it's probably just the fact that it's about the same era, the seventies, the level of special effects and just them flying through the sky. It just reminded me <laughs> of <laughs> Lois Lane reciting poetry in her head, I guess. <laughs> I haven't seen um, Superman in a long time, but th- that that's the scene where Superman comes to Lois's um, apartment and, and she interviews him and she asks him to read her mind, right? I, I can't remember how that went down, but after that scene, he takes her flying. Yeah, okay. And then she's that. reciting the poem in her mind, Can You Read My Mind? Oh, okay, no. Yeah, yeah. But there you go. Good old Leslie B again. (laughs) Yeah, I I can't believe that he wrote that too. (laughs) So many connections to things I've seen in this movie. Leslie B, our new hero. (laughs) (laughs) But the scene with Marley doesn't last too long, probably because they cut his song. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's mainly the reason. (laughs) And then he's suddenly home again and he thinks it's a dream. And Marley comes back quickly to tell him he'll be visited by three ghosts, and then he's gone again. Yeah, that was, that was weird, I thought. Just to have him pop in to get it and leave. Yeah. I guess it's alligators. I mean, you got to put him in when you can. <laughs> yeah, and he does get another scene towards the end, too, which oh, yeah, you don't you usually know. get. We'll talk about that when we get to that. Yes. <laughs> so Scrooge goes to bed, and then it's suddenly one o'clock. And I liked how the Ghost of Christmas Pass is just there. She's just there. It's just, like she's waiting for him. Yeah, he just turns around. She's there. I, I liked how, like, they do that with the Ghost of Christmas feature, too. Like, just there. No fanfare. They're just suddenly there. And I really liked that. And I also liked how this one is an elderly woman. Like, you don't usually get elderly women in movies unless they're, like, the old granny or whatever. They don't usually get too many prominent roles. So I really liked that this version had an elderly woman play the Ghost of Christmas Past. And she was really good. I didn't really recognize her, but the actress has done a lot. Her name is Edith Evans, and she was in a movie that we're going to talk about eventually. We're planning to do a slipper in the rose. She's in that movie, but I haven't seen it yet, of course, because we haven't done it yet. But she had a long page, so she's a prominent actress from years back. But she was really good. And I like yeah. the line when he says, you don't look like a ghost. Thank you. <laughs> you make a good point, though. Like, if, if the, old, the old person usually just plays the old person, like the uh-huh. old granny or the old grandpa or something. So yeah. So her, her role is just, she's a ghost of Christmas past. So Yeah. And, of course, they go back to his childhood. And I liked that his sister calls him Ebby, yeah. mostly because it reminded me of a different version I've seen where it was a gender-swapped version of A Christmas Carol, and the main character's name was Ebby. And I'm now I'm wondering if they got that from this version. Because <laughs> that one was from the 90s, I believe. I doubt that, but hey, it's possible. <laughs> and I can't remember. It was his sister's name, Fan, in this. I think it was, right? I th- 
think so. I'll look it up, but I'm pretty sure he called her fan. She didn't yeah. have much of a role in the movie. Yes, yeah, she it wasn't that big, if anything. Because <laughs> they don't spend too long in his childhood in the orphanage or the school or whatever. No, it's just a couple of really quick scenes. I don't even see his sister on Wikipedia, so I'm going to IMDb. There are so many people just credited as child or party guest. I don't see her at all. Well, either way, I'm pretty sure he called her fan. Yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> but even if they had changed their name, I guess that wouldn't surprise me because they did change other small things like... Harry? <laughs> yes, and the fact that his fiance is now Fezziwig's daughter. Yeah, that was like, a different that was not. That was not... I've never seen that in any other version. Same, and so in that makes that gives Fezziwig more of a role, not so much more mm-hmm. of a role like he does anything, but like he just appears more. Yeah, and like we said, Fezziwig's played by Lawrence Naismith and his wife. I forget her name. Um, and they say Walsh. I wrote Kay that Walsh. down because she played Nancy in the forty-eight Oliver Twist. Okay, there we go. Another Oliver Twist connection. And they sing December the twenty-fifth. This is yes. this is a, this example of a song that. I thought it was generic the first time I saw it, but like it grew on me last night when I okay. watched it. I think I recognized more of the the rhymings and you know how hard that was to rhyme fifth. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that good old Leslie B, yeah, you came through. Okay, yeah, that's one that I would have called kind of generic. So maybe it'll grow on me in the future. And her name is uh, Isabel. Yes. And is her name Isabel in the book? Because I've always heard her called Belle, but maybe remember. that's short for Isabel. I, I thought it was Belle as well, but I haven't read it in a while. I mean, they changed Harry, so <laughs> they changed Fred, I mean. so. What did you think of the song when it's like the courting scene with Scrooge? Oh, that he sings. Yeah, I, th- I thought that was sweet as well. Um, I think that's another one that I thought was generic before, because <laughs> like I didn't yeah, remember. I didn't, I didn't even remember it. <laughs> yeah, so. it was very long. I thought it wasn't as long as like some others. I think, but like, like I, I, well, I mean, I guess it just, maybe it just I, felt long to me. <laughs> hurry up and break up already. <laughs> I got a movie to watch here. We only had one ghost, and we're like an hour in. <laughs> Yeah, and then they they kind of sing it twice because then after they break up, then there's like a reprise that's yeah. much sadder. But it was no when love is gone, which is one of my favorite songs from this scene in any version. That's the Muppets one, right? Yes. But through this scene, you have it's not exactly a problem, it's just kind of an annoyance for me with this version of Scrooge. He does not seem to grasp the concept that no one can hear him. Like throughout the mo- the rest of the movie, he's trying to talk to everybody. And this scene is where you really notice that when he's like yelling at young Scrooge and trying to get them to not break up. But I did like that the ghost here was like, Shh, I'm trying to listen. <laughs> like they're watching a movie or something. Yes. This scene was emotional. I thought like, yes, Scrooge. Scrooge like sees 
you know, the mistake of what he's done. He's like telling his, he's trying to tell his younger guy self, you know, stop it. Yeah. But, you know, no, their like you dialogue said, was great. The, yeah. their, their breakup scene was really well acted. Mm-hmm. A lot of stuff that felt very book accurate. I'm not, I didn't have the book with me to like, make sure everything was like book yeah. accurate. <laughs> not that it needs to be, but even if it wasn't, it felt for like it was from the book and they delivered every line very realistically. Sometimes with, especially like older dialogue, like from that time period and earlier, it comes off a little stilted, like they're obviously saying lines, but they really delivered the lines well. Oh, yeah. No no issues there. But after he is unsuccessful at changing his young young self, played by him, (laughs) he dismisses the spirit and he finds himself back in bed and, of course, thinking he's dreaming again. But then you get the Christmas present right away. I liked the glowing door. Like, I think they replaced his door with a different door that could glow because I don't think it was just like they painted white on the film strip or whatever. I think they replaced it with something kind of clear. It looked cool anyway. And I don't know the actor really, but his name is Kenneth Moore. And he was also in The Slipper and the Rose. And he was in another movie that I saw when I was a kid and loved as a kid. It's a movie called The Unidentified Flying Oddball. Okay, I knew I, I knew he was in a Disney film, so I was trying to think what it was. Yeah, and uh, he's like he, he was good. He was like a you know bigger than life kind of giant, and then he starts singing "I Love Life," mm-hmm. which was a song I didn't remember, but like when I heard it, like it, it, it's the overall um, background music that you hear throughout the. Yeah, yeah. You hear it multiple times. They actually sing it again at the end. Yeah. And which is another song that I think I thought was generic before, but like, I know last night I just, I I like it. I could definitely see this movie as something that grows on you. So maybe in the future I will end up liking more of these more. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite part of this scene was when he walks in, he says, Come over here, you weird little man. I don't think we could say that in, any, in a new adaptation. I hope they do. I yeah, love I that one. It was it, so, it, it seemed so anachronistic. Like maybe they used the word weird back then, but it seemed so out of place. According to Merriam Webster, the first usage of the word weird is in 1817. Oh, well, maybe he was just using a new word that he just heard. <laughs> and back then it meant more like magical or related to witchcraft so oh well that doesn't really fit Scrooge here then but this scene was a little strange because he gives him the milk of human kindness which it just oh, looked God. like wine and then he got drunk and I did not like drunk Scrooge he was very annoying and I did not like how he did his voice when he was drunk but then they violently crash out of his window and fly into the sky. And this is the, that's the scene that really reminded me of Can You Read My Mind? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, the, the, the scene is not at all the same, but just yeah. the, the effects, I guess, just reminded me of that. But they go and visit Bob's house. Yes, then there's the, uh, we see the kids and all that. Mm-hmm. And what did you think of Tiny Tim as an actor? Which I think of him as second. I didn't think much. I mean, I, yeah. not that not that I didn't think much of him, but I just didn't. Like I don't know. I didn't really look at him that much, and 
analyze his acting, probably. I think the same, but I think that's good. Yeah. <laughs> because there have been times where Tiny Tim has just felt... Forced. Yeah. Like, he's so saccharinely sweet. It's like, oh, this adorable child is going to die. Take pity on him. But he felt like a normal kid. Does he even say God blesses everyone in this movie? I can't remember. I think so. But I I watched it twice. I should remember (laughs) this, but I don't remember for sure. But yeah, like you said, he's he's not he's not like that, and he he's not like annoying either. So he's just doing his job, I guess. Yeah the the closest he ever got was when he sings his song in this scene, which is like a little too schmaltzy, but it was fine. He was mostly fine. seemed like a normal little kid. It was good. It good at a singing attempt, I would say, for for someone of that age. And yeah, who's not probably not a trained singer or anything. You know? No, he only had four credits on IMDb, so he didn't do much. <laughs> But then you get Scrooge pretending not to take pity on Tiny Tim, but he does. And the ghost tells him that he's probably not going to survive unless things change. And then they head off to Harry's Christmas party. Harry. (laughs) What's his wife's name? I forget. I don't remember. I think she's just credited as his wife. Harry's wife. There we go. (laughs) A lot of these versions do that. Like, even... Um, there was an old one. It might have been one of the silent ones. We noticed in the credits she was credited as Mrs. Fred. Mrs. Fred. <laughs> yeah. You don't need to bother with the name. Just put a Mrs. on there. We're good. But I liked the scene with him talking about Scrooge because like, he's saying all the same nasty things about him, like calling him one of the most despicable creatures to ever walk the earth. But, but he then looks- he says he likes him anyway. Exactly, yeah. And I liked his wife's line. I refuse to have Christmas haunted by Uncle Ebenezer. <laughs> Little does she know it already is. <laughs> but I do like the um the game they play in this version. The, the minister's the cat. Minister's cat. Yeah, that's that's a fun game. Like, I want to play that now. It did seem kind of fun, and even Scrooge got into it very annoyingly obnoxiously yeah. running around the room screaming answers to everyone but those actors do a good job of not looking at it oh like, yeah like, i would i would like with how much he was interfering like, i i would have at least looked at him I, yeah they were great they were very on point like they had their job and they stuck to it i wonder how many outtakes there were <laughs> Scrooge, the bloopers we gotta see that <laughs> But but yeah, this is one of the scenes that I like, like how, you know, different versions, they, they always have something different in this. Like there's the minister's cat in this and the George C. Scott version. They're playing um, similes in my favorite version of this is the, uh, the animated one we watched with Tim Curry where they sing Santa's Sunny Suit. We can't top Santa's Sunny Suit, okay? That's like... That's like that's a uh, top a a quality stuff there. That's, yeah. one of, that's like one of the only things that I remember of that one, just because of how much that you liked that song. That that, exactly. that line has stuck in my head. <laughs> but 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 my point is like uh, I do like how different versions like they 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 try to write some sort of game or something that goes on or mm-hmm. song that goes on in the scene. So, I, I think more than one has done charades as well in this yeah. scene. But then at the end of this scene, before the ghost leaves, he tells him that he needs to do what he can with the time he has. 
He says something like, life is short and suddenly you're not there anymore. Yeah. And then he's back in bed. Yeah, this version doesn't show the uh, the kids were No, uh, I was waiting out. for that. I yeah. was like, this. he seems like the perfect type of Christmas present to turn old and scary and then open his robe to reveal sickly children. <laughs> I was waiting, but it never happened. Yeah, no want, want, and what's the other one? Need? Ignorance and want. Ignorance, ignorance and want, okay. And yeah, he's back in bed now. Yes, thinking that he's dreaming again. Ghost number three comes in. I loved the appearance of the next ghost. It's just like the the clock chiming with a bong, and he's there. I think he's played by like the, the film's like makeup person or something, right? Or choreographer or somebody. I didn't even write it down because you never see a face. Yeah, I think you read it. cloaked the entire time. Yeah, I read it that it was played by like like one of the staff, like not staff, but like one of the crew. I mean, if you're going to get somebody on the crew to play a character, you might as well get it the one that doesn't need to talk because exactly. all you have to do is stand there menacingly. <laughs> menacingly. There's a SpongeBob reference right there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I I liked this version of the ghost for the most part. He has he gets kind of cheesy at the end of his time, but I liked that his face was covered up, and I liked that he just kind of stood there, and he was still menacing. So he takes him to his office where there's a huge crowd gathered with the oh, suit yes, seller yes, yes, yes. and <laughs> other citizens. Everyone. And this this is probably one of the best songs. Yeah, this me. is this is my favorite song in the film, and this is this was this was actually nominated for an Oscar. That's how good everyone okay. else thought yeah, it was. It, it deserves it. This is the song that makes me love the movie as much as I do. Like ever since I saw this movie for the first time, up to this day, I sing I I sing thank you very much at random points when I need to say thank you very much. Maybe you life. maybe you sang this in another episode because I know I've heard this song before. Probably. But I had no idea that it was about someone dying. <laughs> oh yeah, it's a very dark song. So, so for, for for those of you listening, it you know everyone's gathered around Scrooge's office and they're they're talking about something great that he's done. And Scrooge is wondering, oh gosh, well, what's the great thing that I've done? And then then all of a sudden, the coffin comes <laughs> comes out of his office, and he's oblivious. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't see it at all. He doesn't know what's going on. The guy died. <laughs> And you've got the soup seller like dancing on the coffin, and Scrooge just has no idea what's going on. He's like trying to give a speech. This is this is another instance of him thinking that he can interact with people. He like the soup seller is like ripping up his book behind him, and he's like thanking everyone, and he's so completely unaware of what's happening. Exactly. So thank you very much. Is they're thanking him for you know dying and making their lives easier. It's a very mm. dark song, but it's it's so catchy. And it's so upbeat for a song about death. Exactly. <laughs> it felt uh, like something that should be on like Monty Python or something. <laughs> like what's like, that one at the end of which I'll one look, was that? I'll look on the bright side of life. Yes, yes, yeah. It's it felt like a song like in the vein of always look on the bright side of life. I guess. Uh, on YouTube, someone posted a comment saying, I want the song played at my funeral. <laughs> I don't know if he wants the guys dancing on his coffin as well. <laughs> That'd be great. Very morbid, but it'd be a memorable funeral, that's for sure. So like this song and um, 
Ding Dong, the witch is dead. I think are like the two, <laughs> two joyous death musical songs <laughs> that exist that people use to this day when someone they don't like dies. So it's it's a very specific niche. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. No, this song was great. Yeah, hands down the best song. Like I said, it was nominated for Oscar. But then the spirit is suddenly there again. And I like his look at the end of like when Scrooge starts singing and then the spirit is there. He just looks at him like, really? <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> and he points to Bob's house where he discovers that Tiny Tim has died. And then he takes him to the cemetery where Bob is mourning at Tim's grave. And then he points out Scrooge's grave. And then you get the scene, of course, with Scrooge promising to change his ways. Except... It ends with him literally going to hell. <laughs> like there have been other ones where it's like hinted at hell. Like I think even the Mickey Mouse one is sort of like there's flames coming out. But like, I don't think there's ever been one that I've seen where he literally goes to hell. I was looking, I was reading a, a blog post or an article one time. It's like the top 15 like weirdest things in Christmas Carol adaptation. <laughs> The number one was this movie and him going to hell. Yeah, it was strange. I mean, it wasn't like that disturbing. Like they could have gone really disturbing if they wanted to. But they did have they did have some like elements that could be like if a kid watched this, I could see like specific children being traumatized by like the faces in the walls. Yeah, or like there's like a far off scream at one point whose idea it was to do this but like we mentioned we hinted at earlier this is where marley comes back and yes. gives gives scrooge a tour of the place and whatnot but, um, <laughs> so i don't know if there's just another excuse to show alec guinness again but i don't know maybe i don't know i don't really know what purpose this scene serves because scrooge was already repentant by this point because he was like promising the ghost turned skeleton because that's when the, he, you see a face, but it's actually a rubber skeleton thing. <laughs> He's promising him that he'll change his ways, but then he goes to hell anyway. Yeah, so I think that's why that'd be number one on that list. <laughs> yeah, definitely. No, this this scene is actually kind of... It's, I mean, it's not long, but it's longer than you would expect, because like he has the whole tour and he takes him to his office yeah. which his office is apparently ice cold because he doesn't want him to get too comfortable and fall asleep in the in the heat <laughs> and apparently hell has rats yes. he's telling him to beware that they nibble things <laughs> then they start wrapping him in the chains that they made for him the chains that molly referred to yes um, back in or always refers to i guess mm-hmm then he wakes up. <laughs> and he's wrapped in his bed sheets, being strangled by them instead of chains. I think I read somewhere the hell seat is cut in some transmissions. So, like, it goes from the grave to him being in bed wrapped I, up. I mean, it's, it makes sense because that so scene is never yeah. in any other version. So, mm -hmm. it's an easy cut to make if you want to add some commercials in. <laughs> so, yeah. It's a good chunk of time that does not add anything to the story at all. And then speaking of, like, we, we talk about, you know, scenes that take along. Now that we're, we're at the ending, this is a long ending. Yeah, <laughs> I think is. This, is, this is the longest Christmas card ending I've ever seen. It, there's, it, there's still a bunch of songs to do. 
Most most of them are reprices, but yeah, still, yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's yes. at least it's at least what fifteen to twenty minutes. Oh, I don't know. Let me go check. Yeah. Like it's it's still a long time until we usually wrap things up by then. <laughs> There's about twenty minutes between him waking up and the end end. Yeah. So yeah, it's a very long ending. And like you say, it might be because you know we just need all those reprises, but. Yeah, like the, the 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 normal stuff happens. You know, he gets the kid to buy the the goose or whatever to mm-hmm. um, give to the Cratchit's house, and he becomes better and treats people more kindly, and he donates money to Roy Kinnear and the other guy from the first from the beginning of the movie, and um, he forgives all the deaths of the people who were singing praise his praises of his <laughs> his death, <laughs> and then goes to visit Bob Cratchit's house and whatnot. So like all these reprises now have different um, meanings. So like the mm-hmm. Father Christmas song that the boys were singing mockingly, now they're singing singing it to him, you know, genuinely. And, and I then, like life, which I is like now sung by Scrooge instead exactly. of the Ghost of Christmas Present. It's a, it's a parallel for my hate people. <laughs> and then thank you very much, and the, this time they're actually thankful. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's not because of his death. Uh-huh. I, I liked how nobody knew who he was until he pulled down his beard and Mrs. Cratchit screamed. <laughs> Harry and his wife, and they, they um, invite him to dinner or lunch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically, the ending is pretty much like most other endings. Even like in the book, he doesn't go <laughs> to the Cratchit's house, but most versions change that. So this is a very basic oh. ending compared to other versions. It's just they stretch it out. Exactly, because of the songs. And even after the songs are done, yeah. you see him walking home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's an addition to this that you don't get, because it usually ends on a happy note with him surrounded by people. This one, he goes home, I guess, to get ready to go to dinner. And then he's, like, thanking his door knocker, which is the stand-in for Marley. And then he puts his Santa hat and beard on it, <laughs> which was random and strange. And then it's actually the end. Yeah, it's it's a long end. <laughs> yes, but even though it's very long, I still enjoyed it. It's not like I was, I couldn't wait for it to be over. No, this was this was a good film. Like I said, it's one of my favorite Christmas Carol adaptations and one of my top two musical adaptations. Yeah, I could see that. At the moment, I don't think it's one of my favorites, but I definitely wouldn't mind watching it again. It's definitely a good version. It had some scenes that dragged, but I did enjoy a lot of it. And a lot of the songs, even though some of them were a little generic to me, mm-hmm. they had some great songs, especially Thank You Very Much and great acting and apparently great makeup because <laughs> that guy was not did not look 33. No, not at all. <laughs> So if you haven't seen this film, I recommend checking it out. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'm very interested to see what this remake will be like. Me too. It'll be it'll be interesting. The pictures that I've seen looked good. Like I like the style that they're going for. Well, I, I haven't seen anything move, so that could change. Because yeah. sometimes yeah. art looks good, and then the animation is not. So I'm hoping that they have good animators working on this. And they have a good voice cast because you got Luke Evans as Scrooge, and I think Jesse Buckley is in it. Olivia Coleman is in it. Yeah, it seemed like it was a star-studded cast. 
but not in a bad way. Like it seemed like they had yeah. good singers on board. Yeah. Anyway, I guess we can probably wrap this one up here. Hopefully we'll be back next month if it's recorded and you're listening to this. Hopefully it will, the next episode will be the remake of this. I'm assuming I, I heard it was going to be at the beginning of December. So once it comes out, we'll try and get it recorded right away. Exactly. Well, until then, do you want to let people know where they can find you if they want more of your movie related content? Yeah, uh, you can check out my blogs, The Animation Commendation. I do like movie reviews of animated films, and I run my own uh, animation-themed Who Wants to Be a Millionaire game show, uh, which Jonathan has been on a few times. And I have another blog, My Live Action Disney Project, where I watch, I try to watch every single theatrically released Disney live-action film ever made and review it. Yeah, it, I'm not done, but there's still a lot to go. I think you'll be going for quite some time on that project. Yep. It never ends, so... I'll never get caught up, but one day. <laughs> okay, well, until the next episode. Thank you very much. Thank <laughs> you very much. And that's the nicest thing that anyone's ever done for me. Thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Every Version Ever podcast. If you like what you've heard, don't forget to subscribe on whatever platform you prefer. And of course, make sure to follow my co-hosts as well. Any relevant links will be in the description for easy access. And we'll see you soon to talk about another brand new version of A Christmas Carol. Thanks for listening and Merry Christmas.